This is your Other Brothers Podcast. To your other brothers' podcasts, we are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the jewel of the Blue Ridge of Asheville, North Carolina, my name is Tom. I'm so glad that you are here joining us today. So exciting. We're, we're always dabbling, we're experimenting. Now that we've done 100 episodes, we're just mixing it up. We're going crazy, you know, um, appearing together for the first time just the three of us. Uh, Let's go to the handprint of God first of Mighty Michigan. It's our other brother, Ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, Tom, good morning. Just barely morning still. We are recording in the morning. Ben, do you hear Ben's early morning voice? (laughs) He's he's Yes, yes, I, I got up and I put on pants just to be vulnerable. Wow, kind of ironic, but. That's fine. I'm glad you are wearing pants. And also wearing pants, I think, from the folksy tundra of Minnesota, it's our other brother, Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hello, hello. Today we are trying to compete with a title for the Arctic tundra because it is a blizzard warning. (gasps) And I think we got like two feet of snow. So it's good stuff. You know, I was actually thinking about, I was going to say I thought about tweeting this, but I'm not on Twitter anymore. This is the year of no Twitter for Tom, for those that follow me online. Um, I was thinking about posting something on my Insta story about how it's 70 degrees here in the Jewel and it feels like summer and I hate it. I, I, I like, I want a blizzard. I want to feel it's winter. It's February as we're recording this. This is ridiculous. So I'm jealous. Well, we of can you. do a little, uh, a little house swap. I'll enjoy some 70 degrees and you I can come and get that. some blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Like I'm actually, I'm wearing a flannel right now and I really don't need to be cause I'm kind of starting to sweat, but it's, it is what it is. I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to beckon the winter into this place. Cause we haven't really had that, that severe of a winter here in the mountains. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we got one good snow left in us this year. Right now outside we've got a solid sheet of ice covering pretty much everything as we had freezing rain so yeah. you know cars sliding into one another and people driving stupid so yeah you guys are representing yeah the the north and the blizzardy conditions that much of our our dear country is facing right now. i mean a blizzard is better than freezing rain so i'm not envious of you on that well, I'm excited to have you guys on. As I mentioned, first time that the three of us are recording together, we had our big 100 episode of Palooza um, where five of us were in the same room, and that was great fun. Um, and on the heels of of our Joy episode with Ryan and Will getting to record together, now we get to have you guys record together. Are you guys excited? Do you feel feel the anticipation? Oh, yes. Yes, I can feel it, Kronk. Yes, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> All the new energy. Ooh, it's just, it's a good test of vulnerability to be with somebody kind of new when you're sharing your heart, right? I know, right? It'd be one thing if we all like had done this a million times and just were, it's like a worn old pair of slippers, but we get to just really embrace the new here today. I love it. As we talk about vulnerability. Yeah. Our like, 
I think I, th- I think it's fair to say when someone discovers your other brothers for the first time, I mean, you might have a lot of first impressions or a lot of connotations or a lot of things that jump off the screen or if you're listening to a podcast um, or finding us on social media or videos or whatever. Um, there might be lots of things that come to mind, but I'd like to think, I'm pretty sure this is pretty consistent, that most people would get a sense of vulnerability as like one of the, if not the first like dose of who we are. <laughs> I feel like this is probably the most obvious value that we have. Would you guys maybe agree with that? Or would you disagree? Would you disagree with that? I feel like it's kind of a both and. I feel like there's there's true vulnerability, but also there's, dare I say it, a, I don't want to call it cheap vulnerability because that's not the right word, but almost a, hmm, yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a faux vulnerability because there's so much shared overlap and story that it feels like being vulnerable because there's connection there. But is it truly connecting? Huh. Ooh. That's a deep dive question. That's way too early for before <laughs> noon. I gotta wait like another another 17 minutes before I unpack that. I'm so sorry. My bad. We gotta get through our intro matter. Right, right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That is an interesting point, though. I mean, I certainly think vulnerability was the first thing I thought of. And I think it was the first tribe I was in, too, at the first retreat. And ah, I really connected so with it. History. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, it's true. If you're vulnerable with a bunch of people who think the same as you, maybe that's not the same as like coming out publicly to a bunch of strangers or something. We're going to, yeah, we're going to dive into the nuances of this word um, and discuss it because I was also, I was just recently on the vulnerability tribe at our most recently held Yabbers retreat. And it is, it is like the sexiest tribe. I think most people want to be on vulnerability. This is my takeaway of like, of when you look at the seven values and the seven tribes that we have, like, what is, what do you want? What represents you or what do you think? um, Yeah. What do you want to be signified by for the weekend? And I get the sense, this is just, intuition i have no scientific data to back this up my intuition is that if people wanted to be put on a tribe if they could choose that they would choose vulnerability (laughs) i think i think so it's also represented by a quill we're going to talk about what the symbol of it is and the verse and everything but um the point is it's it's a bread and butter topic in our community and it's uh it's a cornerstone for sure of of who we are and so we're going to dive into that as we Continue gathering all of the infinity stones for these values where this is our fourth one. So we're over halfway there now, you guys. Um, Before we get to vulnerability, though, you know, I'd love because we always have to rotate these guys around on all of these episodes. um, You know, part of me feels bad. Part of me wishes I could have like we don't have time to do this, but like I wish we could have everybody on the show talking about all the different topics that we do. Um, cause I never want anybody to feel left out. Like, like what if Ben or what if Aaron had something joyful that they wanted to share on our last episode, but they just couldn't because I chose not to put them <laughs> on that episode. <laughs> so, so Ben and Aaron, this is your opportunity. If you have any joyful thoughts, if, um, when you think about Yab and you think about the joy in this community, if, if there's any joy to be found in this wasteland, um, in this wilderness place, um, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to share if you have any joyful memories or what Yab has meant to you as it correlates with joy. Does anything does anything jump out before we start to move toward vulnerability? So one of the things that originally drew me to Yab was the idea that um, ministry is sometimes transient. You never know how long you're going to be in any given place. And 
the idea of Yah being, you know, an online community, I thought this might be a group where I can make connections that no matter where I go, I get to take some of those people with me. And, you know, having moved from one side of the state to the other now, and, you know, in the midst of a career change, happy to say, you know, some of those relationships, I still get to take with me, you know, some of the some of the people from Yab um, that I've gotten really close with, obviously, still really close friends. And that's a huge joy. Aw, I love that. Yeah, amen to that. That's good. Um, I would say my joyful highlight is the first retreat. And I feel like maybe to some extent, everybody's first retreat, whether it was Yab's actual first retreat, or it was Yab's third or fourth retreat, um, is just really special because all of a sudden you're surrounded by, you know, 30 or 40 other guys who are all in the same place physically as you. And that's really cool. Um, and it was just so cool to feel connected and feel like family and to feel God's presence. And yeah, it, it solidified my love for Yab. I, I would say like originally when it was all online, that was great, but I don't love online connections or long distance friendships. And the retreat really made it a family. Oh, uh, I'm so glad, you know, Ben, you weren't there sad times for the first retreat. Um, you know, they all they all have their distinct personalities. We've done four camp retreats now. And so I can remember each one with with a lot of clarity. Now, this could be different 20 years from now. Hopefully we have 20 plus of these retreats under our belts. But but as of now, like I can remember each one. And that first one is so like it's just so I remember it so specifically the vibes, the feelings, the tension, the the fear, the uncertainty of how this is going to go. And um, and, you know, Aaron, I don't know if I've told you this. I don't know if I have or not, but like, I distinctly remember you and you had two other Minnesotans with you <laughs> coming up the hill. And like, I mean, you guys, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to check the records on this. You guys might be like our first cluster. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because now, now it's so common. We have a bunch of SoCal boys. We have a bunch of Pennsylvania boys, North Carolina guys. Like there, there's, there's, you know, years later, there's all these clusters of people. But, but I distinctly remember you three Minnesotans coming up the hill to, to the registration table. And that was my first time meeting you in person. I have this visual and we had, you were wearing your t-shirts. I think you guys were so cute coming up the hill <laughs> in your Yob t-shirts. And, um, and there was such a joy there. Yeah. Being able to meet because that was the first time a lot of us were meeting because it was just by nature of it being the first retreat, all of us were meeting for the first time. Um, and there was, there was a joy there of just like, I, I describe it as a long lost family reunion that we mm. like have been related all these years and we're now just starting to realize it and, and gather together for the first time. And there was such a palpable joy in that in that moment. So thank you for opening the time capsule back to, to 2018. What a year. Oh, pre-COVID, pre-everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's really going back there. Pre-disaster. Yeah, it was a great time. Great time indeed. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are here now. Um, just because we're talking about vulnerability today doesn't mean you have to be gloomy and sad. Unless you want to, I welcome that. Um, you can be joyful as well. Vulnerability, I think there is a double side to it that we'll explore for sure. The joy of it, the the fear, the trepidation, kind of the, the negative feelings that go with it as well. We'll, we'll explore all of that today. Um, but speaking of retreats, you know, I had to put this out there because a lot of people don't know people who are just listening. What's up, lurkers? If you're listening, if you're a lurker, uh, if you're checking out who we are, um, or if you've been listening for a while, or if you've been following our content, 
Um, maybe you're very familiar with our content. Maybe you're not as familiar with our community, which as Aaron described, it is, is a lot on a screen for sure. We do a lot of screen time with Zoom calls and Discord postings and, um, and, and the like, but um, we also have these retreats and actually it's really cool. It's really exciting. This is the earliest I've ever announced this. This is the earliest I've ever put this out into the Yabosphere. Um, but we actually have a camp retreat on the calendar and we're recording this in February. This retreat will take place in October. This is by far, like, I'm just gonna self-affirm. I'm gonna affirm myself for putting something on the calendar eight months in advance. What? Eight months in advance, we have something on the calendar. Um, we're not scrambling. <laughs> we've had some horror stories of scrambling to find retreat locations like weeks out. Um, but now we've got one eight months on the calendar. I'm so, I'm so happy. And so um, we've already got it like halfway booked. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that uh, uh, we have something to look forward to. And I know there are probably people listening that are curious and want to learn more. If you want to learn more about our retreats um, or how you could potentially sign up for one and attend one, um, shoot me an email, tom at yourotherbrothers.com. I'd love to, to talk to you more about it and just share that this is a thing that we do. Um, and you can check out, of course, our Patreon as um, the voice of the show, my brother, as he gives you the link at the end of the episode. You can check out our Patreon as well because we uh, we just love doing these events and I'm excited. There's already a lot of buzzing, a lot of a lot of joy, just to harken back to joy amongst the sparrows in our community that, that we have something on the calendar that people are already starting to ask off work and figure out travel plans and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to, to get there soon. And th there's room for one more. We would love to have um, whoever you are listening, we would love to have you join us as well. So just putting that out there as early as possible um, before we fill up, because we will assuredly fill up that this is just how this thing goes. I think with eight months to plan this thing, um, it'll fill up. So I'm excited to to see the roster build in the months to come. And um, yeah, just to like more effectively prepare, I think more than we ever have for our fifth camp retreat. I've already got some ideas. I haven't started to flesh this out yet, but I already have some ideas um, to how to, how to celebrate five, being five years old, five, having five retreats under our belts, like having some special, special twists and special turns. Um, the biggest twist of all so far anyway, is that we have an extra day on the calendar for years. This is like the inside joke of the retreat feedback form. Um, well, there are multiple inside jokes about the retreat feedback form, people complaining about snorers or, <laughs> uh, that's a big one. Um, but a big, the, the most consistent feedback we've gotten all the way back to 2018 when we did our first retreat was having an extra day. Cause we've always got there on Friday afternoon. We spend Friday night and Saturday night at our camp and then we leave Sunday morning. So it's a very quick, you know, two nights, three days, not even three days, you know, it's, it's, it goes by in a flash and people have from the beginning wanted an extra day because they just think it's not enough time. It's not enough time to hit the ground running and enjoy yourselves and connect um, with 30, 40, 50 other people. So, um, so for the first time we're, we're giving people the option, we'll still have our usual retreat operations from Friday to Sunday, but we're giving people the option this year to stay Sunday night as well and then leave Monday morning. Um, so that's a game changer. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what happens this year because if nothing else, that's a cool way to celebrate our fifth retreat. Um, and hopefully it just produces more times to connect and um, just enjoy. Dare I say retreat from a crazy tumultuous world. And so I'm excited to, I'm excited for it to be October for the chill in the air because the chill in the air is certainly not here in February. But maybe again, maybe I just need to venture to Minnesota or, or Michigan. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could change that if I wanted to. If you fly out here, you might get stuck here, though. That's the only thing, you know? Mm. You'd never make it into Minnesota right now. <laughs> I'm not looking to get stranded. Yeah, I just want to visit. I just want a dash of... I just want a dash of cold weather. Is that so much to ask right now? Lord. Anyway, we'll we'll just we'll be grateful. We'll be grateful that it's warm and that I could I thought about turning on my AC this morning. That's that's the situation that we're in, you guys. <laughs> so so we'll see. We're gonna try to like push the AC off until uh until spring, like actual spring. Um today we're talking about vulnerability, our fourth value, our fourth of seven values as we continue our seven values series for your other brothers. If you want to learn more about our values, you can go to yourotherbrothers.com slash values. Um, our symbol for vulnerability, it's one of my favorite symbols. You know, when I um, i reached out to Wesley, who does all of our artwork, artofatlas.com, um, check him out. But I remember, I distinctly remember, this is so crazy that I remember this, because the symbols for all of these values, it comes from my mind. I'll just say that. It comes from my mind, but like I give all the credit to Wesley because I describe these things to him. And he is if only you guys could hear the conversations I had with Wesley, because he's trying to like understand what I'm even talking about. Because I, I remember going to Acadia National Park in Maine. Um, and I think this was 2018, 2019. I forget when this was. Um, and I had a little notebook and I was on the top of a mountain. If anyone's been to Acadia, it's gorgeous. I was on top of a mountain looking out at the water and the forests below me. Uh, and I had a little notebook and I was trying to like figure out what do these values look like? Cause I wanted them to have a symbol, um, something that could give you a picture of what, what that even means. Like we've all heard the word vulnerability and it evokes lots of emotions and feelings. Um, but like, what does it mean for Yab? What does it mean for our community? Um, and so I had this vision, this image, and I'm not a good drawer by any means. I sent him, I actually texted him a picture of these drawings, which I think he got a chuckle out of because I am not a drawer at all. Um, the Lord blessed me with some artistic talent in the realm of words, but not so much in the realm of pictures. Um, but anyway, I had this image of a quill writing on a page. I think that's pretty standard as far as vulnerability. We're a storytelling community. So a quill with writing words on a page. Um, with each of these value icons though, with these symbols, I wanted there to be some sort of a twist in each of them, something that makes you look twice at it. And so with vulnerability, it's not only a pen, it's not only a quill rather writing on a piece of parchment, it's a quill breaking a chain that previously was wrapped around the parchment. And so as the quill is writing on the page, these chain links are being broken off of the page. This was by far the hardest one for me to like write, to try to draw out myself. You guys, you would laugh if I showed you the pictures. It's I have it in a notebook somewhere. It'll be in the Yob archives one day. Um, you can go to the Yob Museum here in the Jewel of the Blue Ridge <laughs> and you can see Tom's drawings of the vulnerability uh, symbol as done by me and done much more effectively, I think, by by Wesley Ayers. But um, but that's the symbol for, for our vulnerability in our community. It's just this sense that, um, I mean, what it means for me, it's like putting words to something that previously was, was locked away. Like this was not something that A, I was going to reveal to myself and then B, certainly reveal to others. And so um, I think there's such a power in that of these chains being broken, chains literally, not literally, because we're not, we're, I always get pet peeves when people say literally when it's not literally, because we're not literally wearing chains, most of us right now. Um, but these metaphoric chains being broken um, by the telling of our story, that's kind of the symbol for for vulnerability. Um, and it comes straight really out of first, I'm sorry, second Corinthians 12, nine, probably a verse that most of us I imagine have heard. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Um, and there certainly is. There is a power that comes with vulnerability, with sharing our weaknesses, sharing our struggles, sharing the the heartaches and the wounds and the difficulties of this life. Because, um, I mean, I'll just get us going with this conversation. Like when I started discovering that you could be vulnerable, I, I just was, I was blown away the first time I saw these blogs. I've talked about it in our origin story. Um, finding these people blogging about sexuality and their faith. Like that to me was so, it, it wasn't remotely in the orbit of a thought that I could ever have, that that's something that people could do. Um, because again, topics of sexuality, certainly homosexuality, were not brought to the light. We're not told in my upbringing, in my sphere that I grew up in. And so um, to see it done was a game changer because um, courage begets courage, vulnerability begets vulnerability. And I've seen that in my life. And I just see it, it's really cool now, like having the years of perspective that I have, um, being there from the beginning with Yab and seeing other bloggers join the fold, other podcasters like Ben and Aaron join the fold and now they're sharing vulnerability and our communities being vulnerable and they're being vulnerable with the people in their lives. And it's just a, it's a beautiful chain reaction of messy, awkward, but life-giving vulnerability. And I'm just, I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. What does vulnerability like stir up in you? The first thoughts for it. So vulnerability, why, why do we have this draw to be vulnerable? It's because we want to belong. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to belong. And, you know, you, you mentioned like this point in your life where you didn't feel like it was maybe safe to, to be vulnerable. That was something outside of your experience. Um, and I think that one of the things that maybe for, for us as, you know, sexual minorities in the church is we've learned what it is to fit in, but we haven't learned what it means necessarily to belong. And, you know, a shout out to my unofficial sponsor and shout out and challenge to her. Hey, if you ever hear about us, you should like come do a podcast with us. Brene Brown, uh, says most of us use the terms fitting in and belonging interchangeably. And like many of you, I'm really good at fitting in. We know exactly how to hustle for approval and acceptance. We know what to wear, what to talk about, how to make people happy, what not to mention, mainly our sexuality. We know how to chameleon our way through the day. So then she goes on to talk about what belonging is. Belonging is showing up with all of your mess, not having to put on the pretty face, not having to hide yourself away, not having to, to compromise your integrity, who, who you actually are. And if you are accepted anyway, when you show up for who you are, then you truly belong. And the only way that we can really belong is through vulnerability. Um, and you know, Brene Brown, like her entire thing is she studied shame. She studied belonging. And she says, of this, I'm actually certain. After collecting thousands of stories, I'm going to call this a fact. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all women, men, and children. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love 
to be loved, and to belong. And when these needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. So what we're really longing for, I think, with vulnerability is this this space to, to show up and to love and be loved as, as God always intended us to be. You know, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not just about being with other people. It's about being seen. Um, you know, the verse that comes to mind for me is in John 1, towards the end of that chapter, um, Nathaniel goes, or excuse me, uh, Philip goes and calls to Nathaniel and says, hey, I think I found, you know, the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, when Nathaniel walks up, um, Jesus says to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Jesus referred to him as, you know, a Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Because Jesus looked into his very soul and knew him inside and out. From the very beginning, Nathaniel belonged with Jesus. And so Nathaniel's only response was to say, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And, you know, that's like just a, that's a statement of, of worship. Um, and in context of community, it's us being able to show our good, show our bad, show our ugly, be real, be vulnerable, and just, ah. I think when we get to do this with one another, it's because we've been longing for it for so long that we get to, in this little pocket here, be a picture of what the church at large is is meant to be for one another, you know? That's awesome. Even though he's not a pastor anymore, folks, he can still explicate and bring out some truth in scripture. Thank you for that. Thank you, Ben. Sorry, I also know that was really kind of kind of long. I love it. <laughs> also, I love the I always love the uh, the Brene Brown references. Mm, please keep them. Yeah, please keep them coming. What about you, Aaron? What does uh, what does vulnerability mean to you in a in a snapshot? Oh man, I always think about coming out. That's like where vulnerability really the rubber hit the road. Um, and my first blog for Yab is is about like the call to come out and goes into a little bit of that that uh, painstaking journey of God dragging me by my feet as I clawed my way back into the closet. <laughs> but um, what I remember, especially from college, was there was a book or a, a, somebody who came and, and did a message, so to speak, on um, masks. And I think one thing we're really good at in this community, and a lot of people are too, but especially, uh, you know, SSA, LGBT Christians is wearing masks and finding a way to be part of the safe crowd um, rather than being known for who we are. And with that, you know, we have this safety blanket where we get to control how we're known and what people know of us. And that protects us, you know, because if something backfires and doesn't go well, like this mask is going to take the fall and take the problems and we can adjust and, and, you know, become the right person. We can learn, learn from those mistakes and, and correct. Um, but like the, the point of this message is, yeah, that's fine. That's great. It keeps you safe, but 
if you are wearing a mask, like the mask is also what receives all the love, all the affection, all the affirmation. And there's this hunger to belong, like, like Ben said, and we, we keep trying to correct the mask or find something to allow us to feel the love without feeling any of the, the, um, you know, risk of the hurt, but it doesn't work that way. Like you have to take the mask off and you open yourself up to risk, but it's the only way to actually be known. Um, and that really convicted me. And, and it's one of the things that led me to actually come out and to share and that vulnerability, I think, um, kind of then overflows into other areas of my life because the mask kind of overflowed into other areas of my life too. It didn't get confined to my sexuality. And all of a sudden I was kind of crafting a very specific errand um, in all ways, shape or forms. And that was not to my benefit. That was to my spiritual detriment as I isolated myself from the rest of the body. You know, it's really sad when you first said the word mask that I immediately thought of a COVID mask and you were talking about another mask entirely. Maybe there's a maybe there's a metaphor in there that connects. <laughs> I don't know. It's a step towards healing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a step towards healing. Uh, it actually reminds me, it, it harkens to a, a Yabber feedback that someone gave us. Uh, shout out, as always, to our Yabbers, our Patreon supporters, because uh, they gave us some thoughts on vulnerability. Uh, here's what somebody had to say. Vulnerability is something that is often missing in the church community. It reminds me of a song by Casting Crowns called Stained Glass Masquerade, which, sidebar, late 2000s Tom Hardcore loved, loved Casting Crowns. I still listen to them. I, I'm not as, as hip with them anymore these days, but some of their early stuff, man. Uh, so anyway, go back to the comments. Stained Glass Masquerade depicts how everyone at church portrays what everyone expects to see, and it ends up artificial like plastic people under a plastic steeple. Without vulnerability, we end up playing roles which hide our weaknesses, faults, and deep needs from others. The result is that our deepest needs are never really met. The need to know that we are loved and accepted as we are and not as we should be. At the core of each one of us is this deep desire to belong and to be accepted as I am. And this is only available if we were vulnerable with one another, which actually connects with what you were sharing as well, Ben. It was, I feel like that comment just eerily connects with both of you just shared about masks and about belonging. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to what you were saying, Aaron, about coming out, because I think that is a big piece of our, of our website, certainly on our blog. If you go to our blog and you check out our, our tags, there's a bunch of coming out posts, um, on our website and we've done some coming out podcasts as well. Um, this whole, this whole talking about your sexuality thing, um, I'm really, I'm really curious to like, yeah, dive into that first part with you guys a little bit here, because I think that is such an obvious, uh, there's other things we can be vulnerable about too. And I think that's been something I've learned after I came out was that I realized like, oh, I have all these other things that I, that I also struggle with. And I've always been so like unconsciously fixated on sexuality that, oh yeah, I also have an envy problem. And I also have uh, a selfishness problem, or I also have all these other things that I also need to be vulnerable about and confess um, in in wisdom as well. But um, but I know with like, because I don't know, I just grew up in that context that I literally thought that I would never talk about this. That even in my journal entries, I would not be vulnerable with myself. Um, I think that's the cool thing about vulnerability. I'm sure you could splice all of the other values. Um, depends how you interpret them or what lens you see them through. I'm sure you could see all of the other six values that we have 
through the through the lenses of yourself and other people and your relationship with God. That's kind of the three directional uh, components to these values: is your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, and your relationship with God. Um, and I'm sure you could do that with all three, all seven of these. But I think vulnerability for me, there's such a, an obvious channel for each of those directions: a vulnerability with self, a vulnerability with others, and a vu- vulnerability with God. Because I just I, I know in the realm of sexuality and coming out, it really was a layered uh, process of having to write the words on the page for myself, words that I never thought I would write, and this this coming out to myself, this vulnerability with myself. Firstly. Um, and then right on the heel, right on the heels of that, uh, a very uh, tear-ridden, snotty prayer cry session with the Lord, and and just finally being vulnerable with Him instead of just ignoring that little shadowy part of my conscious that I didn't pay any attention or tried not to pay attention to or just tried to assume would go away when I got older. Um, and so then there was that piece, and then the last piece for me, which is this is the order I went through, was myself, God, and then others. I still thought coming out to others was not a thing that I would necessarily do um, other than like parents and and siblings. Like I think that one, those were a little more obvious, but coming out to other people, coming out to friends and certainly coming out on a blog and in a book and on a podcast like that was not anywhere near the realm of possibility when, when those first two comings out happened. Yeah, I resonate very closely with that. I think that's probably the order I had as well, which I think is typical. You know, you kind of have to come out to yourself and then somehow in that process, like coming out to God is mingled in. I don't know which really happened when, um, but obviously coming out to others is a very intentional thing. And um, it, it's harder than people think. Like I, I think sometimes people are shocked by how long it takes for some people to come out to themselves. But we like, we live in this world where, you're always looking for connection. You're always looking for commonality and you just kind of live by um, the paradigms you grow up in. So like if men are attracted to women, then you assume that you are uh, and you assume everybody experiences things the same way that you do, even though you kind of find out eventually like, Oh, this makes sense. This is why I'm not as into this conversation as everybody else is because I'm not feeling attraction the way they are. But for years and years, you sit there thinking, this is just what attraction to women is. Um, You know, so it's a journey and different people hit it at different times. Uh, I think I probably figured it out sometime in, in uh, well, high school, I guess, is when I first like came out to myself. And there were times of journaling probably before then where I would never write the word gay down or same sex attracted or anything like that, because even putting those words on paper was too dangerous. Um, and so I don't know, I sort of did a good job of siloing out straight Aaron and non straight Aaron and non straight Aaron had these moments pop up where I would sin or I'd look at porn or I'd fool around with somebody and then I would feel awful and guilty and then bury that down as deep as I possibly could and go back to being straight Aaron uh, for a while. But um yeah, I think coming out to others is something I didn't ever intend either. Uh, it's something that's sort of just, well, God impressed upon me. And I talk about it a little bit in my coming out blog, but um, like I just, I had just a series of recurring sermons and messages and just like devotionals that were all about being vulnerable and coming out. And on my mind was, you know, maybe someday God is telling me to come out to people 
but uh, I really didn't want to do it. And uh, I went through the season eventually where I was just having like nightmares and night terrors and I'd wake up screaming in my sleep. Never have had this happen before. It was really like intense spiritual warfare. And um, there was this one particular dream where I remember I went into like this movie shop and there were a bunch of people in there. And all of a sudden, like I turned back and looked around and everybody was like had video cameras. I was looking all around and it was this like tension of being seen by these people in a way I didn't want to be seen. And um, it really freaked me out. It started to feel like demonic or something. And then all of a sudden, like I remember vividly in this dream that I got this letter in my hands and I understood to be a letter from God. This is the only time I've ever had something like this happen. But in my experience, God tends to speak directly to me because I'm a fairly direct person and that's how I best receive it. Um, and this letter was basically like, if you want to be healed, like you have to come out. And it was, it was just so direct. And it was like the push that I needed to finally be like, okay, I, uh, I've been hearing all these messages and trying to find reasons that this doesn't have anything to do with coming out, but like, this is the final, final straw and started to actually begin like that coming out journey um with people and it happened slowly i came out to one person my freshman year and and told god like there you go you got me to come out i'm done now but um over the next subsequent years like it gradually expanded um and i think in that process like i did find out okay i have a habit of lying because that's part of wearing a mask is you lie and like i kind of had to work on with god that my second nature of just telling a bunch of little white lies that were there to protect me, like was not healthy. Um, my second nature of just like keeping barriers and keeping friends at a distance. Um, like a lot of things stemmed from my sexuality, but weren't directly sexuality related. Uh, and when we come out and get vulnerable with God and with others, like it encourages, us to be known by others and to let others be known by us. And that creates the sort of community that digs up, not just your sexuality, but all this other crap that as humans, we, we bury down. So there you go. That was, that was my turn for a little mini sermon there for everybody. I love it. I love getting these glimpses into, into y'all's, into y'all's journeys with sexuality. I mean, that's, it feels like something that we talk about all the time, but it's actually cool to just have a specific conversation about it. Cause sometimes we just have these conversations on the show where that's kind of our common understanding is that we're all, um, we're all in this non straight boat together. And then we have these like topics that come from that. But today we're going like straight to the source of the, the vulnerability. Cause I know this, this coming out piece, um, or talking about your sexuality or however you would label that, uh, concept like that's that's such a big part of vulnerability and um you know it's funny because i just answered an email the other day from one of our readers or one of our listeners someone out there shout out to you if you're listening um and he's like he was a teenager and he he was trying to figure out like how how can i make this life work i think he said he was in college and um and nobody knows his story nobody he's never shared this part of himself with anybody and Um, you know, and I, I try to, I try to like be direct, but then also empathetic as well. Cause basically what I told him was, you're not going to like this, but like at some point that's something that I just think you have to share with somebody. And I don't know who that person is. I'm not going to tell you to just like 
open up your window and shout I'm gay from, from your dorm room. That's not what I'm saying to do. Do not do that. But, um, but it's like, I don't know, like looking back on my own life, I'm just going to speak for myself. Like when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and I was doing a good job keeping this under wraps, but I was reaching a breaking point, discovering pornography and struggling by myself. Like there's just no way, you know, I'm 35 now, there's no way I could have never talked about that with anybody for the last 15 years. Like there's just no way. And um, and I still have plenty of work to do in the, in the area of vulnerability, but in that area of like being open about this with other people, like, I think that's, um, ultimately been, been such a blessing to be able to, to like, be able to exhale a little bit. Isn't there a quote? You're the love Simon expert, Aaron. I'm going to designate you the love Simon. Actually, we just watched love Simon the last time I visited you. That was so fun. We did. That was so good. His mom tells him Something to the effect of you can finally exhale. Isn't that something? She yeah, says to I, I don't know the quote by heart either, but it's something like, like it's this about about like he, he was wondering. I think he was asking her if she knew and she kind of was like, well, I knew there was something because you used to be so yeah. open, so free. So um, like giving with your love and affection and gradually like you closed off and withdrew from the people around you. And she's like, this is your chance. Finally, Simon, to like exhale and just be yourself again. And that's that's so good. I love it. For one of my counseling classes, we uh, had to do a character study um, for human growth and development. And I chose to do Love, Simon and talked about gay identity formation and, you know, the stages of of coming out and some of the ramifications of what happens when a person is, is outed. But, um, you know, there is a redemption arc within that story of finding, you know, acceptance of finding love and belonging and also some pain there as, you know, there's people that don't respond with love or acceptance. That idea of actually being, <laughs> seen and accepted in the public sphere. I mean, you guys know Ben is not my real name. Spoiler alert for those of you that don't know that. Um, Who you are know, you? I know, Who right? Who even are you? <laughs> it's like the masked singer, yo. Uh, I'm still, I you know, I refer to myself as semi-closeted. I mean, friends and family, you know, it comes up in casual conversation, but it's not like it's a, a public thing thing and i wonder about that day of when it's just you know it's a it's a piece of the story it's out there it's known but it's also just a backdrop piece um and you know i was looking at the uh the comments on the discord server as well and one person talked about sharing their sexuality in a ministry context and how vulnerable that's been for them actually a couple people have and thankfully, they haven't had the negative experiences. Um, one of the things I wrote about previously was when I shared with a pastor that I thought was safe and, you know, got pulled out of certain areas of ministry. So, you know, on the other side of, of vulnerability, there is that fear of what will the consequences be for me if I share this and it doesn't go well? And for some people, um, it feels like there might be more to lose. You know, for some people, it might be that they lose, they might lose some friends. They might, you know, in some instances, get kicked out of their homes. You know, if they're if they're younger, still living at home and their parents don't accept them. Uh, in some circles, working within conservative churches or conservative, you know, parachurch organizations, 
Uh, people can can lose their jobs. And so, yeah, having spaces like Yab, cultivating other spaces where people can be real and be vulnerable, so huge. Uh, we need spaces like this until the church can be a safer place for us. Yeah, you know, vulnerability, as you were just talking about that, the risk component, like when I'm thinking about our seven values, like vulnerability to me, because like we have hope, we've done hope, we've done joy, we've done humility, we're about to do integrity. I don't want to spoil what the next three ones are. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. But but I think vulnerability is the one when you look at it, when you look at a lineup, you know, like a police lineup, um, you look at vulnerability. And again, I think there is a lot of negative connotation to it because it feels like, well, it's not joy. It's not hope. It's not integrity. It's not like this immediately... Um, immediately like admirable worthy like thing it comes with a lot of risk and it comes with a lot of rejection and that's something i want to do in this episode is be able to kind of explore both sides of that because obviously it's a value for a reason um it's something that we want to pursue of but the the nature of it is that there is the risk that it won't be it won't be received well or that it won't be um a strength in certain contexts. I think in the greater picture, it's, you know, I think we're called to do that, but um, that's something I definitely want to explore as we have this conversation. If any stories come to mind where vulnerability went sideways um, or maybe areas in your life presently where that's still um, an ongoing issue in your life of of who to trust and and what the consequences might be. I know you were a little hearkening to that, Ben, just by nature of of using a, a pseudonym in our community and being semi semi closeted or semi out if you're looking at the glass half <laughs> half open <laughs> half out. um i wanted to read that comment that you referenced on the discord because yeah i want to explore that real quickly the the positive side maybe of vulnerability and coming out um but that yabber said this sharing about my sexuality sexuality openly in a ministry context has been a vulnerable experience because it puts my personal life and image on the line opening myself up to scrutiny, suspicion, and perhaps even hostility. Praise the Lord, I haven't experienced really any direct hostility. But I've seen God's power in using my story and my platform to reach others who are also LGBTQ plus SSA and want to follow Jesus. The cost of this vulnerability is worth it because these people's lives and souls are worth it. Um, and that's really cool. The more the more Yab takes on kind of this ministry focus and vibe um i resonate with so much of that that um that i definitely feel like i've opened my own self up to scrutiny and to to criticism amongst the public whether it's other christians or whomever but um but the gain of it is like it far outweighs uh anything that i have to deal with on a negative context of just seeing people join our community and not only join our community because that's kind of self-serving in a way of like okay we're growing this thing so that we can not that I'm trying to make anything of myself, but but the join our community and the real the real redemption of it all is like seeing people, whether they stay in our community or depart our community, um, of just kind of leaving or being a part of our community either way and having this renewed confidence to be um, to be who they are, to be more open, to be more real with people in their lives, in their churches, their families. Like um, again, this vulnerability, begetting vulnerability, is a huge, uh, just a huge like thing that makes me smile in our community that I'm, that I'm grateful that I get to have something of a vantage point for. 
Yeah. And I think it's actually great to have been on this episode because you get to speak from kind of a different perspective because Tom and I have sort of crossed the threshold already um, fully in some way, shape or form. But it is different too. Like to your point about ministry, like if you're in a ministry or um, for anybody in a ministry position, um, you know, you risk not just relational backlash, but like the loss of your livelihood, like you might not have an income. There's a lot of people. um, I come from an accounting finance background. We learn about fraud that's committed all the time because people are too afraid of the potential loss of income. And like, it's not people wanting to do a bad thing. It's just people feeling trapped. And, um, you know, I think that's something that, that I've heard of a lot of people experiencing. And for me, you know, God made it clear that he was calling me to come out. And I had this strong feeling that like what God continuously said over and over to me is this isn't your story, Aaron. Like this is my story in your life. And I get to decide when and how to share it. And like, I had a strong conviction that if I didn't come out, like I was refusing to share my testimony because God was working so much in my sexuality. And I was hiding the way that God was, was to be glorified in my life because of not sharing that. But I think like there've been a lot of people who are called at different times in different ways and get there on a different path and come out to different extents. I mean, a lot of people don't come out on, on Yob and I don't put my last name out on Yob. So like I have a little bit of a, a caution there too, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have come out uh, to the point of vulnerability begets vulnerability. Like I wouldn't have come out unless Christopher Yuan had come to my campus and talked about his sexuality. And then um, we had a, an event called testify where we'd let students just share their testimony every so often. And one of those testimonies was somebody who was gay, who was at, you know, a, a college, a Christian college like me. And I was sure that I was the only one. So, um, you know, it's just that boldness shares uh, encouragement to other people and it gives them the confidence. You know, I forgot that that was actually something we had in common because the first person I ever came out to was Christopher Yuhan after he came and spoke sure. at my college. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so funny. I forgot that too. Yeah. Yeah. What a world. Yep. He's doing good work. Whatever you think about him, he he impacted my life. I know. And that's that's so cool. It's like you never know when you share your story. Um, well, two things. A, we always think we're the only ones. Isn't that so weird that we all think, whether it's about sexuality or some very niche like struggle or something that you might be struggling with, like, spoiler alert, you are not the only one who has struggled with that. Like there is uh, a whole host of people on this planet both living currently and then who have existed over the millennia that uh, have also struggled in some way, shape or form. So um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing, like, yeah, you just have no idea by by sharing your story, either on a, you know, a limited scale or on a larger one, like what kind of impact that's going to make. And I think that's the, um, I don't know, it's just such a, it's a beautiful thing. And I love how you said that, Aaron, of that it's God's story, like just, you're just here to steward it well. And I think 
I think you're doing a great job. I think you're doing a great job stewarding your story and you as well, Ben. I wanted to read one more from somebody else who shared about coming out kind of on a larger scale. And then um, we also have a comment from somebody who's not out. So I wanted to share that as well, just to, to round out our conversation here. Um, but someone else said this, hearkening back to our retreat, my favorite job value and something I've always valued in all of my relationships as long as I can remember is vulnerability. I've been in the vulnerability tribe at both Yab retreats that I've attended. And it's probably because God knows how much I value not only being vulnerable, but also value others being vulnerable with me. It's the deepest form of intimacy for me since physical touch isn't really my thing. I had the opportunity last year to share my struggles with my same-sex attraction with my entire church, which was a leap of faith for me and definitely involved a lot of vulnerability. But I knew it was what God was calling me to do. I hoped that in sharing my story, it would speak to someone else who was struggling with SSA as well. Turns out another guy in my church also struggled with SSA and me sharing in church led to him reaching out and sharing his own story with me. Since then, we've grown really close and he's kind of been my spiritual mentor in all things dealing with sexuality and even masculinity. Although he's married to a woman, I've seen time and time again where he's made it a point to reach out to me and check on how I'm doing. He provides an open space for me to discuss things that I wouldn't be comfortable talking to most people about. In fact, he texted me on Valentine's Day just to say how much he appreciated our friendship. So blessed that God brought this friendship in my life when I've needed it most. I love that. You know, it's like by coming out to a, a church in a testimony context, like just following this this prompting and, and this step of obedience to take. And I watched his testimony. He shared it with us on, on our Discord or Facebook group at the time. Um, it was so great. Affirmations to you, my brother, if you're listening. Um, and then it's so cool because like there's no way you can have going back to hope. Like there's no way he could have had a specific hope for that or a specific expectation for what would happen from that. Like, I don't I don't think he would have anticipated finding a mentor in his church or a, a friend who would text him on Valentine's Day to tell him he appreciates their friendship. And I just I just think that's like the Lord just being so good to honor that step of obedience. Like that is, uh, that is such a beautiful thing. I, I'm super encouraged to, to hear that story. On the flip side of that, I wanna read from somebody who's not out and just balance out this conversation as well. So this Yabber said, I'm not out, so I feel like I haven't been as vulnerable as those who've been able to share their stories publicly. I really admire that kind of vulnerability, but I've been able to practice vulnerability in less overt ways. I've done that mainly by sharing about my sexuality with a number of close friends. That act of vulnerability has almost always resulted in, in enabling another person to care for me and love me more fully, because now they know the real me. God has also given me the opportunity to advocate publicly for marginalized LGBTQ people in the church. I feel very vulnerable when I do that because there are definitely people who judge me for my advocacy, and I feel double judged because I identify with those for whom I advocate. But I'm always astounded that God continues to give me a voice and a platform to speak. It's like he turns my vulnerability into a superpower because in my weakness, he is always strong. And what a great uh, hearkening back to Paul's words that we read at the top of this discussion. Yeah, there are times like I don't regret my decision to be vulnerable like I have, um, but I definitely kind of miss, I don't know if you feel the same way, Aaron, like I kind of miss the the smaller scale vulnerabilities where it felt kind of more sacred or felt more sp special, I guess, to use that for language. Like, I don't know, there's, there's a specialness that was lost when I wrote a blog post or when I wrote a book and now that I'm doing Yab full time, like, um, 
like, I guess it's not as special anymore when I, when I have, when I have conversations about sexuality with people in my life, friends or church folk or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I, I feel like part of it too is wondering like now you add in the sexuality as a factor into your relationships. And there were a lot of times like I wondered how would this have gone down? Would it have gone down better? Maybe whatever the situation was, if they didn't know, if they still thought of me as straight Aaron, nothing unique or, or different or like in a job or in a church community, like it's now you sort of, now you're out. Uh, we're unique as a sexual minority where we can kind of hide our minority status, many of us, pretty thoroughly, pretty easily. And once you let that that information out, you kind of start to get a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be a minority. And it's not always comfortable. I think one of the things that might be maybe perhaps a little unique for those of us in mixed orientation marriage is, is we can come out and then it's easy not necessarily to forget but for people to just discount um discount things related to sexuality you know because it's like i'm married to a woman so it's like okay but like you say that you're gay but you're married to a woman so it just gets dismissed because people don't want to ask more questions or you know just go ahead and make whatever assumptions they will so even with there being some element of of public story and telling people um, it sort of puts it as like one foot in the closet, one foot out, not really sure how to, you know, people aren't really sure how to treat, um, me and other people as well. I had a friend who recently came out to a small group and I asked if there'd been any follow-up conversation and he said, no, they aren't treating me any different. And I'm not sure if that's good or bad. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag there. Mixed bag, mixed orientation, marriage. I guess it works. I don't know. I guess staying in the in the the risky end of the pool. I don't know if that's the right metaphor here, but um, where where has vulnerability been risky for you guys? Like, have there been conversations that you've had about sexuality or anything else? I know we're kind of like fixated on the sexuality piece, which is obviously a very big one for guys like us. But um, I don't know. Does does anything come to mind in your life when you think about a conversation that you had with somebody, a friend, a mentor, a pastor, a family member, um, where it just felt by na- by the nature of the word, it was very vulnerable and it just produced a lot of trepidation. My wife is something of a a verbal processor, and when we when we moved, I said that when it came to picking a church, I didn't want to go to a church that I wouldn't feel safe inviting friends to. Um, and so one of the churches that we first attended, uh, you know, I'd actually thought about putting a, a public statement out on Facebook coming out, but Marie had mentioned, you know, most of the people at that church are friends with you on Facebook. They wouldn't know that. So there couldn't really be any sort of reaction. You wouldn't know if it's safe. So what if you like wore some sort of like pride apparel, the church or something, um, so she said that again, thinking I'll have necessarily thinking about the ramifications, what would what I would do with that. So um I got a shirt that said, uh, I will say gay, I will protect trans kids, and wore it in very conservative West Michigan to church, and then a couple Sundays later wore a shirt that was very similar. 
Um, now, did that necessarily out me publicly? Not completely, but did it identify me as at least an ally of LGBTQ people? Yes. And during that, you know, that thing that a lot of conservative churches have, or probably not just conservative churches, where everybody walks around and says hi, and maybe they shake hands, or maybe they, you know, nod at a polite distance with their mask or whatever it is. Um, the looks that that I got, uh, nobody wanted to talk about the shirt, although I definitely got some looks that I would describe as hostile, skeptical incredulous, um, including from the pastor who did actually know my story. And it felt vulnerable to do that. And I think what I was hoping for was more of a reaction, not like an in-your-face like fight, but just a conversation, kind of hoping for a reaction to be able to find out were people at a place where they were ready to have this conversation about LGBTQ people? Because I kind of wanted this church to be a safe space because Marie really liked it. Um, I was ready to like it, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't. So that vulnerability cost us a space, but ultimately it was a good decision, I think, not to stay at that church. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that because like, as you're describing that, like there's just so much courage. Like it's, it was a very, you opened yourself up to something and that's like the, that's what I love about vulnerability. It's like, it appears weak on the surface, but it really is this courageous, like strength filled um, word and concept and this act of living it out. And so, um, I don't know, just uh, brought, brought to mind just a lot of courageous vibes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would wear t-shirts like that. If I'm just being honest, I, I, I don't like, I, I, I don't wear shirts with like words on them in general as a stylistic thing. So I'm just, but just being able to broadcast my, my advocacy, if not some of my own story, like this is something that would take incredible courage to do. I'll tell you there, there was one, I would say really positive outcome from it. Um, my, my brother and sister-in-law also go to that church and my brother-in-law um, you know, asked why, you know, he wanted to know why. And, you know, I told him it was for, you know, the sake of, I, I wanted to see, is this going to be a safe place for me to invite people? But the phrase that, you know, came to mind later and is, and this isn't meant to sound arrogant, although I think it might sound arrogant. Um, I will suffer out loud for those who suffer in silence. So I do think I'm moving towards some sort of, you know, more of a, a public being out because somebody has to do it first. Somebody has to, to, you know, open up those dialogues in these, in these spaces. Um, you know, so the kids who are currently in those spaces and, and scared can, can see somebody else go first, you know, sort of like for, for Aaron and I, you know, hearing Christopher, you want at that time go first, uh, you know, it, it, it's our turn. To, to go first for, for somebody else. So my brother-in-law heard that process did and he, he didn't like it, but I think he at least gets the fact that there is a point in purpose behind 
um, you know, some measure even of wearing like pride apparel to to tell people like, hey, we're here. We're here even in the church. We exist. And yes, gay people can love Jesus, too. So, yeah. And yeah, it, it was a little a little scary. But again, people know I'm married, so they can just assume that I'm an ally until I actually say something. So. All right. Um, I would echo that uh, with just the idea of having to come out first to be kind of the person in the church. Um, I've heard a lot of people say they don't want to share their sexuality in church because they don't want to be the gay person there. Like the one gay Christian who now is the token person that everybody turns to for anything relating to sexuality. And the unfortunate reality is that's kind of just going to happen. Like, and eventually I think it'll fade. Like, I, I feel like we have to become the token gay person in the church so that it eventually stops being something that people think about quite as readily um, or worry about as much. But I also think like there's a lot of churches who overestimate how much the majority of us want to be the gay person in church. Like there's this, this um, sort of threatened reaction, I feel like, by a lot of churches who think that we're going in there with our agenda, trying to like rattle cages and somehow put our, our identity and our sexuality on par with our identity in Christ, which is just not what most of us are trying to do. Are there some people doing it? Sure. I'm sure there are. But, um, you know, it comes down to we feel like we don't have a choice to share. Um, because we're finding that it's not working being closeted. And also beyond that, like this is a heavy cross to carry. Like we need some Christian siblings to help us carry it. And instead, the unfortunate thing that happens a lot in vulnerability in different Christian communities is the hyper focus is on what terminology we use, how we chose to come out, uh, rather than supporting us on the other side of the coming out. And we both need grace. I mean, we make mistakes when we're coming out and we need grace and we need to be able to give grace to our Christian community when they don't respond well to coming out, but maybe still have a heart trying to do the right thing with us. Um, but it can be costly in that way. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point to be the, any token gaze out there listening. I'm sure there's a slew of hands going up, uh, for people who are open and, and, uh, talking about their story in their churches. Cause I think that's, I think that's the double side of, of it. Of, I mentioned earlier, like feeling like I've lost the the specialness, the sacredness of sharing just with a limited number of people. Um, like there's not a, there's not a right way to do this or not. Like some people are very open like myself. And then some people are on a more limited scale. Um, we've shared some of those stories today. And I think, um, I think the the main point of it is like I think we we have to be vulnerable somewhere, um, and if it's just with one or two people, it's just with one or two people, and that's that's great. Um, but I do think God wants to do something and is doing something um, as vulnerability begets vulnerability. I love that phrase and I love that concept because it really is so true. Um, and it's just it's a blessing to just see that happening in this community. The longer the longer we exist, the longer that these stories can be told and we give people the space to, to navigate their, their faith and their sexuality and their masculinity, because so much happens when, uh, I don't know, we just give people room to breathe where people can share things that they've never shared before with anybody else. Um, I feel like we could talk about vulnerability for, 
such a long time and just like explore all the ins and outs of it and all the different directions that it goes. Um, but hopefully this was a good start. Hopefully this was a good way to, to pry open the can a little bit and hopefully, hopefully give people listening something to ponder on their drives home or workouts or cooking in the kitchen or, um, comment on our website. If you have other things that you do while you listen to our episodes, what's someone who, who like, uh, does the most unique thing while listening to our episodes should get a, a free item from the Yob store. <laughs> well, I feel like we can't end without reading a C.S. Lewis quote on vulnerability. Please. One of his most famous, I'm sure. Uh, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love it all is to be vulnerable. And and I think it's important to remember um, that vulnerability has a cost certainly and that's what we're always weighing when we're thinking about whether or not to share or be open with people but um the problem is there's a cost to not being vulnerable as well and you know c.s lewis points to that as well but also i think there's just yeah it comes down to what ben talked about what we've all kind of shared in our stories like i just can't imagine surviving this long without people being there alongside me and we can't really be known and loved when we're hiding these big parts of our lives and i think god calls us to be a community um that can be vulnerable with one another and certainly that doesn't mean we all have to come out publicly but um we do have to share in some way shape or form and by the way that um that quote comes from his book the four loves which is an excellent read if anybody hasn't read it definitely do it by the same token um i i have to close with Brene brown in almost an exact echo um <laughs> belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us because this yearning is so primal we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging but often barriers to it, because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. That last part, we want people to love us for us. We also have to love ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself also means loving yourself. So be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself and be kind to others as you seek to be vulnerable with them and as they seek to be vulnerable with you. Many years ago, I can remember with quite vivid memory what it was like to be vulnerable for the first time vulnerable on a level that I never thought I ever could reach. Never writing about my sexuality in my journals as a kid, as a teenager, as a college student. 
keeping this side of me at bay for as long as humanly possible. The journal entry that resulted has never produced as many tears, a guttural, just awful, yet also freeing feeling, something that's hard to put into words, pulling back a veil that no longer needed to be hidden anymore, starting with myself, and then very quickly <laughs> extending to God, extending to my parents, extending to my siblings, and extending further and further out like ripples in the water to other friends and other groups, other people that were in my life. This vulnerability extended to the screen as well in the forms of blogs, the form of podcasts and videos. As months turned to years, I caught more and more of the wave of vulnerability. There was something attractive in laying open my soul for all to see. But along with that, I've also experienced the wooziness, the ache of what Brene Brown calls the vulnerability hangover, feeling like I've overshared or given something to somebody that they were never meant to handle, never meant to hold, weren't equipped to do so. There have been times in my life where I've had to reel it back in a little bit, both with people in my life and the stories I tell online. I think maturity and growth in this life looks like holding a proper balance of both, the courage to step out, the wisdom, the prudence to stand back, never full on one or the other. But the vulnerability in community, particularly this Your Other Brothers community has been magical. People have shared coming out stories and been encouraged to come out to people in their own lives, to tell their stories, to be open, to be real for maybe the first time in their lives. The vulnerability on the blog and in these podcasts is one thing. It's the vulnerability in our Zoom calls, in our retreats, our circles of meeting together. We're so much beautiful, inspiring, incredible vulnerability comes together and and I'm convinced that as long as our community champions this value of vulnerability that this courage this fire will only continue to catch the longer this journey goes the further we grow the more this fire burns and warms us from the inside out In our Yabers monthly book club, we read a book by Kurt Thompson called The Soul of Desire. And his words about this combination of vulnerability and community really speak, I think, to the essence of Yab, to this little family we've been building now for almost a decade, and hopefully for many years yet to come. Thompson writes this, we humans in our natural state are the most vulnerable creatures on the planet. We need protection. We need covering. We are creatures who need. But the biblical view of vulnerability is not just about risk. It is also about our common nakedness being a stage for collaborative, creative possibility. This creativity emerges only when our needs make it possible for another to meet them 
in such a way that what we create together is more beautiful and complex than the sum of our individual selves or what we could produce on our own. We are naked, susceptible to harm, but our vulnerability is the very state that enables the greatest potential for creating something new. It is not primarily about the danger of being hurt, although that reality is present, but about fully emerging into the image of God as creators, as he also is a creator. And so, fellow sparrows, when stepping out feels like weakness, like deficiency, like defeat, as vulnerability so often does, may we be filled in our seeming emptiness, in this voluntary laying bare of our own souls. May God do a truly wondrous thing, something not just for ourselves, but for those around us too. A courage that catches fire, a valiant realness that envelops the space between us. May our obedience stepping out bring the love and support we desire, the love and support we need. And may it also embolden those still in the shadows. For in this spark, this creation of courage upon courage, something existentially more beautiful is being formed. A people, a place that looks more and more like Eden. A new nakedness that isn't shameful. A paradise where those thorns of shame go to die. May we ever remain in tune with our Lord's calls and compunctions wherever, whenever, and with whomever they lead. Always being wise in our sharing, but never letting fear solely decide our fate. May we who follow Jesus be known as a people who boast and boast often in our weakness, so that Christ our King, Christ our power, reigns sufficient, reigns strong, reigns with us. This is great, you guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being vulnerable today on our vulnerability episode. We want to hear from our listeners as well about this issue, this topic, this value of vulnerability. Head over to our podcast episode page at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast and check out the episode 104 post on vulnerability and leave a comment. Leave a comment below on the blessings and the struggles, the risks of vulnerability, um, whatever vulnerable stories you feel like sharing um, on a public blog. <laughs> Use an alias if you'd like. We love our alias names. I love, I always get a kick out of the different alias names that come in. Um, but yeah, it's, if nothing else, if it's a story that you would love to get off your chest, feel free to, to comment on our site. Um, it's always a blessing to be able to read those comments, respond to those comments. Thanks to those who have done that. Um, if you want to call the Yab line as well, that is also available to you. Um, to, to shoot us shoot us a vulnerable story if you have one to share about how um, how have you seen vulnerability go from a weakness to a strength in your life uh, I would love to love to just be affirmed by that reality again and again and again it never gets old to me like I love hearing stories like that where um, something that was so shame ridden and like invoked a sense of terror strickenness in your life like 
now is something that brings you freedom and joy and connection and belonging. Like that is, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. It never gets old. So thanks for, thanks in advance. I know somebody's going to share. I just know someone's going to call the album and someone's going to comment on our site or send me an email. Um, and we love that. So thanks for, for doing that. Um, you know, you guys, as this conversation unfolded, I have, I was, I was horror stricken because I never got to introduce our sponsor. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, was this, did Tom just give up on sponsors or what happened? No, no, no I can't that they, they fund the show. I can't give up on the sponsors. How else could the outcast continue to exist? Um, so quills, I'm so sorry, quills for not. I hope they're, they're not displeased. I hope the fact that I'm giving a shout out to them at the end of the episode, which I always do anyway. Um, I don't know. I hope people listen long enough to get to the sponsor read. Um, quills, the best way to tell your story. Get a quill. I don't know if anyone's ever written with a quill. It's so fun. I recommend it. <laughs> get, a, get a quill to tell your story. I, I apologize again to Big Quill Industries uh, for, for not giving the shout out to, to the sponsorship sooner. I won't make the mistake next time as we dive into integrity, our next episode. Um, so y'all stay tuned for our fifth value of integrity next time as the, as the series rolls on. Ben and Aaron, so good to have you on. Um, I look forward to, hopefully this wasn't the last time the three of us can record. It was, it was a lovely, lovely occasion together. Yeah, I enjoyed this as well. This was good. Absolutely. All right, brothers. Well, stay warm up there where it's frozen in Arctic, and I'll, I'm about to change into a t-shirt and shorts here in the mountains of North Carolina. So what a world we live in. For now, though, until next time, for all your other brothers, this is Tom. And this is Ben, not making a whiskey reference without Will. <laughs> and I'm Aaron. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even a sparrow finds a home. See you next time, friends. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, PO Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash Your Other Bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us. <laughs>